I love to watch their enthusiasm. <laughs> you may never see me do what they were doing uh, on this world, but in the next world you might. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, I, I do pray for the McKims today. and We're kindred spirits. We travel around the country sharing truth as we know it and as you have revealed it to us. And uh, shingles is a, a nasty business. And uh, of course, I, I know his heart is very concerned for his son-in-law. And I pray, Father, that this last chemo treatment will really have an impact on this young man's body and uh, uh, that you would restore him to health. We thank you, Father, for your love and your care for us now. And pray that you'll bless through this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as has already been mentioned, this has been a very dramatic approach to speaking here today. Uh, Thursday night, I was in an emergency ward getting pain medicine, so I wasn't sure I was going to make it. If I look a little lopsided, I am. <laughs> and uh, we'll just I appreciate your prayers that everything will just stay calm and, and uh, we can progress. You know, it's interesting with Northbrook, whenever Dave and I, um, or David and myself, uh, arrange a date, I should know that something big is coming right after it, <laughs> uh, because this is usually our last stop before a major step of faith, like a 32-day tour of uh, the VG and, and several other things that have happened, trips to Ontario and all this sort of thing. But uh, appreciate your prayers for Lita and Katie Fillmore. Her dad is the pastor of uh, uh, People's Church in Truro and a uh, very excellent speaker and a very wonderful friend. And um, Katie is a dental hygienist and she's going over there with hundreds of tubes of toothpaste and hundreds of toothbrushes. And uh, she's hoping to uh, reach out uh, with uh, the gospel through translators and uh, through her skill in helping people with their uh, dental problems. Maybe I should get some help from her before she leaves. <laughs> At any rate, uh, they're going to be over there for 21 days. Uh, I can't go because that time in the VG I lost my spleen and I, I'm strongly advised not to go to malaria countries. So uh, that kind of changed my lifestyle a little bit. But uh, I, I think it's, it's interesting, you know, I was thinking as I thought, oh, there's Northbrook again, there's Lita going off to Africa. Why do you always do it that way, Lord? And the answer that I came up with, and I have no idea if this is the truth or not, but there are many very fine prayer warriors in this group. And I have a feeling that we touched down here just before we step into uh, journeys of faith uh, because, uh, because of those prayer warriors. And the Lord wants us in the most practical place at the most practical time. You know, on the mission field, we often tell brand new missionaries, we want you to understand that we'll be taking you out to this remote village, and sometimes it's a long journey, and we'll be going into this remote village, and you will be preaching the gospel from the first day you get there. And they kind of look at you like, what on earth are you talking about? It's going to take me five or six years to become reasonably fluent in this language, and you're saying I'm going to be preaching the gospel from the first day? Absolutely. And uh, the indigenous people all around them, they don't have degrees, university degrees. They do not have college diplomas. They don't, don't have online study uh, opportunities because often there's nothing 
published in their, their language. Absolutely nothing. Not one book, not one paragraph, because they don't even have an alphabet at that point. And uh, one of the ways that they survive is by having a great deal of discernment of the people around them. It can be the difference between life and death. So they have to be very discerning people, and they have to learn how to read people very accurately. <clears throat> and uh, certainly that is a critical thing uh, in their lives. Now, if they see hope, rest, and peace, and many of the things that we've sung about this morning, then they will, you are starting to preach the gospel in that way. And the door is just beginning to open for sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because they're reading you all the time. You're under the microscope, just as many of, of, of you are in your factories, in your offices, uh, in your uh, ladies' groups, or whatever the case may be. People are watching you very carefully. I remember when I came under conviction about the fact that religion wasn't doing it for me. And uh, I remember two fellows, Tom and Dan, and they were uh, fellow high school teachers, and I put them under the microscope for a year, and it was definitely in my computer. If these guys are fakes, I want nothing to do with this born-again Christianity. But if they're for real, then I am very interested. I want to find out what it is they have that I don't have. And so I watched these guys for a year, watched them constantly, and found out they were for real. They were different. We had 73 teachers, I think, in that particular school, F.E. Medill Secondary School. And uh, these guys were absolutely different from everybody else on that staff. And that's when I began taking the journey to discover what it was that they had. Of course, our personal cistern has to be filled with hope before we can overflow that hope into the lives of other people. If you turn, please, to Revelation 21.4. In Breaking of Bread this morning, we saw that without mercy, there is no righteousness. Well, without hope, there is no joy or delight in the Christian faith. In Revelation 21, 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are past away. What a beautiful verse. Here, first of all, we see any of you who are undertakers, I'm sorry, we don't need you. <laughs> you are retired permanently. And I know you trained for many years and spent a lot of money on your training, but you're finished because there is no more death. You preachers, neither sorrow nor crying, so no more staying up late Saturday night developing those messages that are uh, geared to comfort affirm and uplift and edify, uh, because there is no more sorrow and no more crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. All you doctors that trained eight, ten years, I know you spent $600,000 on your training. Uh, we don't need you anymore, <laughs> because there is no more pain. And the former things are passed away, and I, I got looking at that and thinking, passed away. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been at an air show. They actually held one here in, in Dartmouth not too long ago over at the military base. How many of you have been at a, an air show? It's an exciting thing. I've always been fascinated by planes. My wife will be on a jet. 
uh, in three and a half hours, uh, headed for Africa. And um, I'll be just a little bit envious because I enjoy flying. Some people hate it. I have a friend who hates flying. But uh, for me, it's a real delight. But I was picturing as I was studying this, an, F, uh, an F-15 coming in over the airport, and all of a sudden, you know what he does to impress everybody, he just cranks it. He just pulls back on that stick, and he goes straight up through those clouds. And sometimes you can hear him break the sound barrier as he goes between seven and 800 miles an hour, and he just goes absolutely straight up. And of course, out behind him is this stream of white from all that power that's being released for him to shoot straight up like that. And you know, I got thinking about when our loved ones pass away. You know, likely the loss of a loved one to death is the most painful thing you can go through. And I know there are people here who have been through that experience. And that's about as tough as it gets in this life. And yet, you know, I wonder if it would calm our hearts and, and help our hearts a little bit that as we think, and Jesus went up, right? So I'm assuming that when we go to be absent from the body, present with the Lord, or as my wife likes to say in regards to me, you've got the shell, but the nut's gone to heaven. But at any rate, <laughs> you're going up. And you know, the, the thought that really comforted my heart is, you know, as you're going up in that stream of, what does it say here? Passed away. Well, as it's passing away, there goes arthritis, and, and rheumatism, and uh, tumors, and cancer, and heart attacks, and strokes, and, and, and uh, liver problems, and, and lung problems, and all the rest of it, all of that is passing away. It is no more. They leave all of that behind, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I don't know what that does for you. It really comforted my heart. And you know, the next time I, I lose a loved one, I think that image of that jet, and also of the person going up into heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord, and as it falls away, or as it says here, passes away, I'll think about all the things they're leaving behind. And you know, that, that was just a real blessing for me, and I, sometimes it's just a word or two in, in the word that the Holy Spirit can make alive for you. An amazing life in heaven that's waiting for us. I remember one time on the radio, a man said, you know, our mansion, and he was a great scholar of language and everything else, and he said, you know, really what the word mansion means is a lean-to. And I thought, forget it, buddy. <laughs> I've been looking forward to my mansion for a lot of years, <laughs> and I'm not heading for a lean-to. You can do whatever you want with your studies and, and your language expertise and all the rest, but I'm headed for a mansion. And um, that should be one of the sources of hope that keeps our cistern full. The hundreds of God's promises in his word, 66 books, jam-packed with promises. And of course, when do they work best in our lives? When they're fresh, when they're recent, not when they're moldy and dusty and cobwebs all over the place. Oh yeah, I got a blessing from that verse three years ago. No, no, when they're fresh and new. Hundreds of promises in regards to uh, his, our rest and our care in him. If we're seeking the source of our hope and the conditions and events of this life, you're in for a lot of frustration. Doesn't Mr. Putin just make your heart dance? I'll tell you some of the things that are going on, the stuff that's going on in Syria. Those people paid for those fighter jets that are coming in and killing their families. They bought those with their tax dollars. And now their own government and their own leader of government 
is slaughtering by the hundreds of thousands. They're not even in the secular news. They're talking about 250,000 dead in that country. And now we have a massive migration of people uh, pouring into Europe, which is likely going to lead to all kinds of unfortunate problems. In a recent study, I came across verses that made it abundantly clear how tragic it is that, that uh, 2,000 years later, there's still 1,900 groups that have nothing, nothing of the Word of God. If you turn, please, to Colossians 1, 19 through 11. Excuse me, 9 through 11. Colossians 1. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. How would you like to have Paul praying for you every day? I think I'd like that. But I, I have many Pauls in my life who do pray for me daily. Do not cease to pray for you and to desire that, and, and listen to this prayer, this, this is incredible, that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will. Would you like that? I think I'd like that. To be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then he goes on from there. He's like that jet. He just takes off. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Wow, what a life that would be. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's, that's what Paul longed for. In, in, in um, verse 11, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. What a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Paul longs for his people to be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Boy, that's a goal in our lives, and, and we should be seeking that every day. Lord, you know, I need your understanding, your godly understanding, your godly discernment, your godly wisdom. I need to know where the center of your will is for my life, and, and give me the grace and the strength and the determination to get to that point. Lord, I, I need that. For them to have all wisdom and understanding. Whew. Wow. He prays that they will be increasing in the knowledge of God. And I hope you are, and I hope each one of us is. Because knowledge of God is going to have a terrific impact on how much hope there is in our testimony, in our lives, and how we speak to other people. He prays that they will be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I love the use of his words here. His glorious power with patience, and long-suffering with joyfulness. Beautiful, beautiful prayer. And yet, you need the Word of God to be able to fulfill that prayer. Imagine if the Apostle Paul came to visit here at Northbrook this weekend, and he asked Eme and David and myself to sit down in this room right back here. And the Apostle Paul came in and said, Gentlemen, it's 2,000 years since they decapitated me from going forth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'd like to know why there's still 1,900 groups with not one word 
of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not one word of the living, inspired word of truth. Why is that? Can you see David and Eme and myself? You know what we would do? We'd drop our heads. We're talking to Paul. The guy's covered with scars and bruises and bumps and bangs, and he's been through everything you can imagine to go forth with the gospel. And we're trying to explain to him why there's still 1,900 groups without one word of the word of God. Do you think that'd be an awkward moment? Now, he would be gracious because he wrote the love chapter, didn't he? <laughs> so he'd have to be gracious with us and put up with us. I don't think he'd be very pleased. Matter of fact, I think he'd be a little confused. 1,900 years. That's quite a window of opportunity, or rather 2,000 years. That's a great window of opportunity. And they still haven't touched 1,900 of them? What is going on here? What is with these people? Well, you know, Paul, some of these people live in difficult places. They're, they're remote places. And like where Lita's heading right now, this is the hottest time of the year, by the way. This is the end of the rains. High humidity and just super high humidity and lots of heat. Well, if you're not getting any rains to clear that humidity, uh, it is a hot, hot time. I don't know how many showers she'll have before I see her again, but I guarantee it'll be a lot. And, uh, you know, we'd try to explain to Paul and, and, and rationalize and reason with him. And, you know, those areas are pretty tough, Paul. Do you think he'd be impressed? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he'd get kind of quiet in that part of the meeting. The very purpose of people's being alive on this earth is dramatically cut off when they have a total lack of the word of God. Remember, remember the prayer that, that Paul just shared with us? All of that stuff is zero. It doesn't happen. It doesn't materialize unless you have the word of God in your mother tongue. The very purpose of their being alive is dramatically cut off. It's just like a guillotine came down and cuts off their, in French we would say, raison d'etre, the reason for being. It's totally, completely cut off by a total lack of exposure to the word of God being translated in their mother tongue. The reason that God gave you strength and energy and the ability to move your feet from that cozy little spot under the covers this morning and put them down on that cold floor to get up out of bed is what? To bring glory to the person of God. Why do you know that that's true? Why do you know that that's your person for drawing, purpose for drawing God's breath right now? It's because the word of God told you that we are to bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet these people are totally cut off from that. They can't do that. So why do they get up in the morning? Well, that's a good question. I'm not really sure. They just carry on and hopefully somebody faithfully is going to bring the word to them one day. Now a group of people that I've talked to you about many times, uh, they had a big day on September 27th. And that is the boudique people. And you can cheer if you want. If the little girls were up here, they'd dance. Uh, but uh, on the December, uh, September 27th, they received the Word of God, the entire New Testament in the Boudic language. The first book ever published with the Boudic language in it. Do you know that 300 people came to that ceremony? And the ladies, by the way, did exactly what your little kids were doing up here this morning. As the boxes were being carried on in Africa, we carry things on our heads. And as the boxes were being carried down to be sliced open and the, the New Testament taken out of it, the ladies just spontaneously started singing and dancing. Can you see that, Eme? 
<laughs> he can. He's trying to pretend he can't, but he, he can. And um, he's trying to be politically correct, you know. But uh, what a precious, precious time. 35 years of sacrifice. Though the translator and his wife, and she's also a professional linguist, she worked right along with him. Um, they lost their son over there. I, I could tell you, and I, if I had the time, I, I could tell you their testimony and all the things that they went through in that 35 years of, of getting that. And they ran into lots of resistance, lots of heartache, lots of loss. We were right there with them when their son died. And, uh, and yet, on September 27th, there was victory. They were, what did we just sing? More than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And is more than conquerors. They got to see those boudique people raise that hand, which, and I think I've shared this with you before, but it always intrigues me. The hand of a person in Chobo is dark on the side. Well, God knew that they would be field workers and fishermen. And what do field workers and fishermen have? The upper place of their hands is exposed to that blistering African sun. You should see white people when they come to Africa and they go straight to the beach the first day. You know what they look like on Monday? They're purple. No, 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 oh, no, no. Red is the first stage. They're purple and they have blisters and they are in agony and all kinds of suffering. But God saw these people in the blistering African sun who are going to be often field workers and fishermen. So he put extra pigment on the tops there. Isn't evolution a wonderful thing? It's amazing how two little amoeba rubbing together 35 billion years ago figured out that these people in Africa are under intense sunshine, so therefore they need more pigment on the bottom. But the bottoms of their hands look just like mine. And I could picture on the 27th of September, and I was, my imagination was just going wild back here, and, and, and look, watching those hands reach out and the forefingers on the bottom and the thumbs coming down, and they've got the entire New Testament in their hands. And they're taking that back to their huts beside their kerosene lamps to study the Word of God. They've got the whole counsel of God in the New Testament and, and portions of the Old Testament too, but this was primarily the New Testament. And they're taking that home to feed their hearts and, and to feed themselves. What a precious, precious thing. So you may not remember now, but you have prayed for the boutique people and I have mentioned them here many times. Colossians 1.16 For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. Now we know that from Genesis. And we understand that God spoke and he created all things. But do we truly understand at the heart level and for him and for him? We're not only created by him, but we're created for him. Once again, how do they grow in their knowledge of him, find their hope in him and communicate with him when they know nothing about him? And it's so critical. If we're going to understand world missions, if you're going to understand why Lita is traveling over to Benin right now at the hottest time of the year, what is her primary purpose? To encourage Miriam and to take things to her 
that she needs that she's run out of uh, since she's been there for quite a period of time. And that's, that's the, the reason why I'll be praying while she's gone too, is that when they leave in 20 days or 21 days, when they get on that airplane and say goodbye to Miriam, she will be stronger and more steadfast and filled with what? With hope. Because likely one of the closest friends she has, and I have an, a rather interesting situation. There are two women in my life. One is Miriam and one is Lita. And you know, when you listen to them talking to each other on the phone, they're way more like the best buddies than they are mom and daughter. I, I can hardly pick out a mom-daughter kind of relationship because they're, they're just very, very closest friends. Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13. You know that he's the God of love. You know he's the God of justice. He's the God of faithfulness. And we see something else here. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. What a beautiful prayer for somebody to pray for someone. That they might abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that would be a very appropriate prayer for the McKims right now. That they would be, if, as you're at that prayer meeting this evening, that um, they would be abounding in hope, which would be a difficult thing with shingles and a son-in-law very, very close to death. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you think of that word abound in hope, I think of, uh, it takes me right to the Psalms. My cup runneth over. Just like there's a geyser underneath that cup and a hole in the bottom, and it's just flowing over. It's pouring over. My cup runneth over. As we study more and more about his faithfulness and see those promises become reality in and around our lives, our spirit of hope will grow stronger and stronger. It's not only to see the promises, but to see them becoming reality and, and see them unfolding in a very beautiful way. I'd like you to turn to a very, very simple psalm, and that's 118.1. Psalm 118.1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. There's three little words. He is good. Because his mercy endureth forever. And there's back to breaking of bread this morning. We, we covered that theme very thoroughly. Circumstances in life can be painful. Would you agree to that? Certainly. But remember, <laughs> one day it's all going to pass away. When you're absent from the body and present with the Lord, all kinds of things that are associated with a sin-cursed world are going to pass away. They're going to be gone. Circumstances in life, once again, can be painful and disappointing, but they must never tarnish and diminish our perspective of God's goodness. How are you doing this morning with those words? God is good, no matter what, no matter what has happened. In Colossians 2, 9 and 10, For in him Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye 
What beautiful words here. Ye are complete in him. Ye are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Our faith is sustained and our hope is fulfilled when we realize how complete we are in Christ. What did Paul say? I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And by the way, I've seen a testimony once again, and one of the reasons why I had this jaw infected the last three days is once again I'm reminded how much he loves you and how much he loves his word because this has gone 90 times better than I thought it was going to. And praise God for that and thank you for your prayers. He loves you. He loves his word. And he makes amazing things happen when that is on the line. Hope in our eternal future. You can head for a lean-to if you want. <laughs> I'm headed for a mansion. <laughs> and we'll see which one of us is right. Hope in our forgiveness, which is eternal and everlasting. What a beautiful thing to think about that. You know, our whole life is based around conditional love. It is. You love me, I'll love you. You know, you mess up, I'll, me I'll mess you up. And uh, that's the kind of world that we live in. And yet our forgiveness is eternal and everlasting. It doesn't make an ounce of sense to me, but I love it. <laughs> to me, that's the core of grace teaching, is the fact that my salvation is eternal and everlasting. Hope in the massive number of promises that are given in his word. Are you comforted by those promises? Are you keeping them fresh? You know, it sounds so legalistic to say, get in there and study the word every day. But keep those promises fresh because they will bring hope to you. And as your cistern is full, you can pour over into other people's dry cisterns and they will be comforted and they will be encouraged. This is a sin-cursed world we live in. Of course you're going to be betrayed. Of course you're going to be disappointed. If you're putting too much confidence and faith in people, you're going to be horribly disappointed. But God, God is the one who will never be not faithful. He will always be faithful, he will always be there, and he will be always be longing for one thing, to strengthen, to build up, and affirm you in your faith and your relationship with his son. As your hope grows, your testimony will have more and more thanksgiving in it. And that includes the smooth days and the rough days as well. You know, the greatest degree of resistance that comes into a person's life as far as spending eternity with Christ in heaven is false teaching. And you know, as I stand here, I just think about the fact that I'm surrounded by false teaching in this very community. There are all kinds of churches out there that are desperately trying to convince people that their good works and God's love, when you mix it together as a recipe, somehow or another, You've got a shot at getting into heaven. You've got a shot. That's not a great deal of assurance. That's not a great deal of comfort. You've got a shot. God loves you and I with a perfect love, so he obviously does not want us to spend one second in eternal thirst, in eternal torment, in eternal agony and, and the suffering and loneliness of hell. He provided the greatest grace preacher who ever lived, whose ministry only lasted minutes. It's already been mentioned here today. And I want to mention it here again. 
and I think I mentioned it here once before, but it was on my heart today, so I'm going to go ahead and, and refer to that. If you turn, please, to Luke 23. Luke 23. Luke 23, 39 through 43. And one of the malefactors, one of the people who was being punished on either side of Christ, which were hanged, railed on him. I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but in the Old Testament, railing is always associated with death. Railing is a very, very serious thing. Which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. If you're such a big deal, buddy, get us out of here. I want out of here. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? which indicates to us he's got some real insight here, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, he confesses his sin. I am a sinner, and I deserve condemnation. It came up in breaking of bread this morning. We are worthy of God's wrath, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We are worthy of this condemnation. And, and he openly acknowledges his sin and recognizes it before God, who's right beside him. But this man hath done nothing amiss. He knows who Christ is. He's the sinless one. He's the Messiah. He, he's the sacrificial lamb. He doesn't deserve to be up here. Nothing about this man is worthy of crucifixion. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Notice the word Lord. He's got it. He got it. And, you know, faith is, is, is based on belief. And, and, and our, our faith leads to righteousness. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And the thing that, that amazes me, and to me, uh, this, once again, is one of the cores of grace teaching. And it's what people don't understand, and they're being taught to not understand this. I was taught this for 30 years. I was taught this from when I was a little wee kid, that if I was a good person and God was love, maybe we're going to work it out. Maybe. That's a huge, big maybe. That you've got an entire eternity to regret if you're wrong. What a tragic, tragic thing indeed. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And when your hands are nailed to a tree, the cross, you don't put any money in the plate. You don't sign any registries for membership of a church. You don't shovel your neighbor's walk. You don't do any good works. You don't do anything. Absolutely nothing at all. For by grace... For by grace, not your efforts, not your goodness, not your worthiness, not your religiosity, none of that. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. If people would only understand that one word, gift, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, 
I just wish that, that those two verses that have already been shared earlier this morning, those two verses could go out to every church within a thousand miles of Northbrook Bible Chapel. I hope you praise God that you're in a grace work that teaches truth from the Word of God. That is an incredible blessing. And that you have the Word of God. 1,900 groups don't have one word of this Bible. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of complete versions from Genesis through Revelation. We are a gifted, blessed, wealthy people. We truly, truly are, and our wealth is in the Word of God. I don't know if you're here today and you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, but I know one thing, and, and, and this, this kind of thrills me. I have one daughter. I sometimes tease people and say, she's my favorite daughter. People go, oh, what kind of dad is he? And, uh, you know, I only have one daughter, so she is my favorite. And, you know, here's my daughter over there in Benin, in West Africa, almost said Senegal. And uh, she's preaching the same thing her dad's preaching. She's handing out tracts with the same message that her dad is sharing with you this morning. Recognition that I am a sinner. Recognition that he is the Savior. Recognition that he paid the total, eternal, and everlasting price for my sin. And recognition that three days later, he conquered sin, he conquered, he, he conquered death, and he conquered Satan and his demonic presence. And you know, she's over there in her own way, primarily with children and with, with ladies, but handing out tracts to any adults that come through her work, people with terminal disease. And you know... It really kind of thrilled my heart to think, Miriam's way over there sharing the same thing that I'm sharing with you this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never become a brand new creature in Christ, God's offering you a gift. Jesus Christ is right in this room. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He's offering you a gift. And all you have to do is believe because it's all by grace and not works. It's by his love and his grace and his tender mercies that you're offered this gift. And all you have to do is understand that Jesus was the one who allowed all of this to happen in his resurrection. And now, if you'll receive it by faith, you'll become a brand new creature in Christ. Don't walk away from that gift. It's the most precious thing that will ever happen to you on this planet in this life. I guarantee you of that. Don't say no. Just say yes and receive it by faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for how you've undertaken for me once again. I wasn't sure even a few hours ago how this was going to work out, and yet, Father, you've once again shown me very clearly and very, very loudly that you love your people and you love your word. You are the God of the impossible. Paul said it, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. And I thank you for once again teaching me a lesson while I've been trying to share with the folks. We thank you for Lita's journey and Katie's as they head off to Benin. I pray, Father, for safety for them. I pray for health. pray for strength and stamina and all the heat and the humidity. And I pray, Father, that you will give them wisdom Give them discernment and give them godly understanding in all the things they do 
in all the things they say. I pray that you'll bring much recall to Lita on her French, which doesn't get used a lot here in Canada. And I pray, Father, that you will just give them a wonderful time and they will have more than conqueror stories to bring back to us in three weeks. And I pray that our hearts will be blessed by them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks, and thank you for those who prayed.